I'm Evelyn. And I'm Lara. And this is the Once Upon a Niger podcast. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. This is episode four. Episode four, yes. Yeah, and we are still talking about um, the legacy of Abacha and the people who were impacted. Or yes. Significant figures who were connected to Abacha's regime. Yes. Um, so last episode, we spoke about um, Ken Sarawiwa. Um, and this episode, we shall be speaking about MKO Abiola, also known as Moshud Kashimawe Abiola, Chief Moshud Kashimawe. Very interesting name. Did you know what? Do you know what his middle name means? It it leaves me. I I I feel. Um, so I it's from uh, the fact that he was one of many many children, and but his. Uh, other siblings had not survived. Yeah. And I think his, his name his meant name that. Meant, let's wait and see. Yes. And he actually got the Moshud name when he was 15 years old. So imagine mm. like living for 14 years of your life with a name that says, let's wait and see. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise it was that long. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's the report anyway, that the Moshud came much later in his okay. life. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the figure we're talking about today, the well-known Nigerian philanthropist, businessman, political figure. Mm -hmm. A man of hope. A man of hope in Nigeria's democracy. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about him. Yeah, so MK Aviola was a man um, that was um, Mm -hmm. well-connected in the... uh, um, Nigeria amongst the Nigerian political elite yeah. and business uh, elite um, he was well educated yeah. he had his own businesses he traveled yeah. um, abroad and studied abroad and Glasgow. yes and, 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 and went back to Nigeria to work um, so this is a man that um, was a well established yeah a very um, well established businessman um, I think to, to important to note, you know, he had he had a airline, mm. he had an airline, he had a printing press, he had um, I believe he had he was into like food as well, um, yeah, he he was he was really well connected, um, yeah, so he he was in, he had like a radio station. Concord Airline was his airline. He even had a bank. Habib. He, was, he, he was just into everything. He was everything. into everything. Habib Bank, uh, Summit Oil International Limited, Concord Press of Nigeria, um, African Ocean Lines. So, yeah, he was in the communications, oil and publishing industry. And his fortune was estimated at $2 billion dollars. In today's t- today's figure yeah today's um, money or maybe even at like the money then i'm not sure but I think anyway it, two billion money, is two billion dollars a lot of it money is big for, that's big money <laughs> whether it was now or 20 <laughs> years ago but yeah and yeah just being someone who was so rich and well connected and everything so for his philanthropy you know he was known for like just funding sponsoring and the thing with Nigeria is that also when you're rich and all that stuff, people want you to be the chairman of this, mm-hmm. the chairman of that, sponsor mm-hmm. this, sponsor that. So he had a lot of titles and whatnot. Yeah. But I think perhaps the most important title that he had 
was the chieftain's title of Are Onokanka for of the Yoruba land, which is like he's like meant to be it's like a kind of like a military not military, like you know when you're the ruler, the war ruler of your mm-hmm. tribesmen, like you're acknowledged you're the top for, you're the warrior. top warrior kind of thing. So that's a hefty title. Yeah. Um and MKO for the rich man that he was and everything, again you know about this in Nigeria or even in Africa, but particularly in Nigeria, they put you they start to put your name in songs. Like, you know, and there's a very there's a very popular one which we're gonna insert um into this pod. Um mm-hmm. you know King Sonia Day had him in songs so he was like he was a vibe man he was yeah so we'll play the clip now Are on a can come for Obo Yoruba Oba for one I Yeah, so and then I guess for as many business people, most times I'm thinking of Donald Trump. <laughs> going into politics mm. when i was when i was what comparison into, wow I, I know in terms of being a businessman but mm-hmm. i don't think that the trump was as successful a businessman but with some of the things we're hearing about you know his companies and stuff like that i don't know but um yeah he went into he had political aspirations as mm. well and i think that's generally a common thing for quite a lot of business people sometimes going into politics um to solidify the influence <laughs> just getting all angles um yeah so he went into politics and um and he was actually quite he had a very um he was very outspoken um about um reparation and recompense from us and european countries um, for the enslavement of african people mm. who profited from africa's like material resources raw materials and they did all of that to the detriment of Africans. Yeah. So, but then also, well, we'll come into this later. But yeah, he was he was very you know he was very prominent. And then, obviously, at this time, the military government, as a military government, the military rulers, um, were were in place in Nigeria, and I think it got to a point where they started to kind of prefer the opportunity for democracy. And they said, well, we're gonna rule it. We're, we're gonna hand over to a civilian, to civilian government, mm. and this then became the time when Abiola, you know, started to campaign, and he was, he was put forward as the candidate for his party, which was a social democratic party, the SDP. Because um, I think the two parties at the time was the National Republican Convention. I'm not sure if that party is still still in existence, but um, or maybe it's morphed into a different party now. As they do. As they do, exactly. Um, yeah, and so yeah, he was, he was uh, the presidential candidate of the SDP party for the June 12, nineteen ninety three presidential election. 
And June twelfth is an important day Very for important Nigeria. Day. Why was it? Why is it an important day? Well, that day um, has been marked as uh, Nigeria's uh, democracy uh, day. I believe that's the yeah the title. So on the twelfth of June, nineteen ninety four. 93. Um, an election took place where Abiola had um, been campaigning and this election was um, viewed globally um, as in this election MKO Abiola was recognised as the rightful president-elect um, in, in that campaign. Yeah, definitely. Because what had happened was the results, you know, when you when you vote and then the results starts to rolling and they're counting and, you know, figuring out who's won, who's leading and all that stuff. Um, as the results rolling across the different states in Nigeria, it became apparent very quickly that MKO had won um, 58.4% of the vote. Which is massive. That is massive. It's huge. It's a, it, it got a majority in 20 out of 30 states plus the federal capital of Nigeria. Which that, is, is, that is, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. So, you know, at this time, it hadn't been officially declared that he was the winner, but from the results that was already... Ooh, coming in, It yeah. became already very obvious that he was the winner, and that was the kind of celebration that already started mm-hmm. in line with the results um, and whatnot. And it was, you know... So today, that election is always been declared as the freest, the fairest, and the most peaceful election in the history of Nigeria, mm. right? Um, but then something happened. <laughs> something that was a rude awakening somewhere in the midst of all the celebration and the hope that was starting to kind of emerge in light of, you know, this election. Um, because the military regime, the military rulers had said, okay, we're going to hand over power to civilian, you know, to civilian rule. There's going to be a democracy. There's going to be an election and election are taking place. But very quickly, they overturned this decision and they said, actually, we're going to put a pause on this. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> we're going to put a pause. And then the moment you start hearing, oh, we're going to put a pause, you start to question, you know, this is not what we had agreed mm. kind of thing. And I think very quickly things started to go, things started Damn. to go south, basically. Mm. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the struggle became trying to uphold the results of that election. The veracity of it. The veracity of it and trying to just uphold the people's, not just the results for results sake, but this is the people's decision. Yeah. This is the first time. They've been mandated by the people. By the people. And they've made their decision. They've made their choice very clear. Mm. And I think there's something to be said for uh, um, for MKO's campaign as well. What he was campaigning, his manifesto mm. at the time. Um, you know, it was it was one that was fueled by so much hope. I think mm. it was actually called Hope 93. And there was so much, with the, during the military regime and stuff, there was poverty, there was, you know, education was poor, medical, access to medical um, care was very bad, the roads were bad. And it's pretty much like, I feel like, what's happening today in Nigeria, basically, mm. uh, maybe even till, I, you know, I wasn't born then, I don't know, but, oh, no, I was born then. <laughs> I was I mean, I guess the whole military regime, you know, I was born at a specific time towards the end of it. Um, but yeah, things were really bad. 
and Abiola came in as this kind of like figure of light mm. for the people. I love that phrasing. Figure yeah. of light. Yeah. Yeah. He came in as this person who was going to change stuff and it's reflected even in the kind of like way he was able to unite people because you would know that for you to get that level of unity, things must have gotten so bad. Yeah. That people are like Yeah, quite desperate. Um yeah, people must have been in a very like desperate uh situation. Um and as as we said before, he was an industrious man. Yeah. Um and clearly respected and, and people like yeah. he he was viewed as somebody that could be trusted. Yeah. And we see that uh you know, that language of hope being used in um some of our more recent um campaigns of really significant political leaders, mm-hmm. aka Obama, mm. you know, campaign of hope. It just Abiola is like well, Obama is reminiscent of yeah. um Abiola's um campaign. Um but the fact you use the the phrase figure of light mm-hmm. but i mean we we know that there's you know there there are shades that different shades to people mm-hmm. <laughs> and even though he um we we believe and it's, it, it is acknowledged today that he was the rightful um winner of of that, that election, election. Mm-hmm. his his journey was not without suspicion yes what were the suspicions well, the suspicions were, I suppose, and it's always, it's, that will always be, you always have suspicions attributed to, to wealthy uh, people. He was, um, during his time of building his wealth and his businesses, um, you know, it was during the time of um, military regime mm-hmm. and he was chummy. Mm. <laughs> uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with people who were in successive uh, military um, uh, regimes Mm -hmm. and that's that's bound you're bound to like have questions as to why you who who um, presents yourself as this figure of light as this uh, beacon of hope um, as uh, a trusted um, figure in the community yeah Yeah. why why are you why are you comfortable you know associating yourself with people that have done yeah nigeria harm yeah yeah and like you're right and i think that casted a shadow over his whole like just over his, per- his person mm. and even just like also like claims of like maybe on you know just like suspicious practices and business mm. as well and things like that so you know there's there's so many shades to people. There's never really like a one. What's that thing? What's that one that Chimamanda said? Um, single sim- story. There's never a single story um, to a person. But then, you know, whatever negativity you might have, whatever like negative things you might have done, does not cancel out the 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 two facts can remain the same. You can mm. be like, yeah, you did this, but then you also did X Y Z as well. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, not to like justify anything you did or whatnot, but I think just in light of the achievement of democracy and the significance of democracy, I think that has really kind of like brought him to the forefront and really propelled him as a a, a great figure mm-hmm. in Nigeria's history. And with the whole annulment as well, um, you know, people were saying there was a lot of like tribal motivation for why he couldn't be. Hmm. because 
I believe he was, I believe he was running against an Hausa man. Yes. Right. And the military is really full of Hausa people, people from the north. The, the military um, regime in Nigeria is like, a lot of them are just like from the north and, and all that stuff. And they have a monopoly of power. And so now having a Yoruba man and a democracy is almost like it was posing a threat to the power that the military have had mm. um, for a while in the tribe. So that's like one of the... And I guess to today in Nigeria, there's always a tribal element to a lot of things that are happening. Um, but that was that. But then the thing is, he won election across different states. So it wasn't like, oh, just the Yoruba... Yeah, and yeah, across the northern part, across the eastern part, and all that stuff. So and that's what was so powerful. Definitely. Um, that's yeah. That's that's I think key to like his power and his um, attractiveness as um, you know a presidential uh, candidate. Yeah, it's the fact that he was able to appeal. He was able to appeal to to so many um, people across the country, yeah. and I suppose maybe that even might um, put a question mark on how on how on on, on how important like tribal um, tribal divisions are mm-hmm. in in Nigerian politics. Mm-hmm. Like it's clear of it's it's very clear that. Mm-hmm. It does play a part. It's obviously it's very it's obviously very clear that there's a north south um, divide, but I think it's there's an interesting there's there's an interesting point of conversation around the fact that this man was able to appeal to the humanity mm-hmm. of of all sorts of different peoples, mm-hmm. and actually the the things that um, we all care about um, beyond our tribal loyalties mm-hmm. is that we, we need food, water, exactly. shelter, education. education, security. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, these tribal differences are, um, they are, they're played upon mm-hmm. and stoked upon mm-hmm. by those who aren't interested in the the unity yeah totally and i think we we, i think we referred to that in our first episode of even this whole thing of like oh the president must come from the you know Mm. now now everyone is waiting for that evil president that is going to come and so that's even the the equation yeah all that stuff which is not a way it's not a way to go yeah it's not a way to run a country you know, we need to find the best candidate for all of this. And actually, like you rightly said, one of the comments, one comment from one of the, you know, professors around the time in the Nigerian Institute of International Affairs, he was saying that Abiola was able to, well, he allowed everyone to rise above ethnic and religious differences. And that was the first time a Yoruba man, had a Yoruba person that's been able to win votes both in the East and the North. So it was such a significant a very significant um thing that happened yeah and so yeah the, the the election was annulled and again you know international communities were obviously you know raising their eyebrows america uk um they they acknowledge this as a as a violation of democratic uh standards and so they restricted aid to nigeria so that was how how bad that kind of go and there was just a tussle of power back and forth um 
sorry, I really have a issue, I guess, with that in terms <laughs> of, um, you know, I'm not sure how this is probably going off on a, on a tangent a little bit, but how functional or it is to, you know, like restrict aid, you know, to a people that clearly need it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's, a, that's a tool that was floated around when the NSARS mm-hmm. uh, protests were going on. Many people were like, actually, no. Um, pe- people wanted there to be sanctions mm-hmm. placed upon Nigeria because yeah. of the uh, brutality and, yeah. and killings that were going on. And on on social media and people on the ground were like, no, like there shouldn't be sanctions or restrictions on um, aid or or mm-hmm. things coming to Nigeria because that's what harms the people. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I think I've gone on off on a on a tangent well, then. Just, but that's just the those countries flexing the they they're flexing their muscle, their power. Mm. You know, they've got the power; they can do it. Again, obviously, there's questions as to even how they came to be in the position to be giving us aid in the first place and mm. the whole connection. But that's a conversation for another day. But yeah. You're right. It's um it's questionable, but that happened, and yeah, there was that also back and forth, and also it was just like at this time there was also questions of like you know, because you would expect that you know MK would garner a lot of support and there would be people fighting and you know trying to get him back to this rightful position of his and whatnot, but there were also like traditional rulers who were receiving bribes for their silences and you know, so this the same thing with like Ken Sarawiwa's situation. You have the chiefs and people who are opposing this noble cause. You're also gonna have people opposing the noble cause, but yeah, some people just didn't think he was the rightful person, and yeah, they got paid for you know they they got paid for their silence, and and that was what happened. But anyway, a month into this whole tussle of power and whatnot, um, then they had to agree for a for an interim government mm-hmm. to be put in place until such a time when they will be able to plan and make announcements for a new election. Um, and then the interim government, uh, this man called Chief Ernest Shoneko. Now, I don't really know much about him. Um, and it seemed like he wasn't even there for that long. Um, but Ernest Shoneko was put, in, was put in place to kind of be the... To be there for the interim government, I don't know. Maybe it was meant to be like an interim president or something. But yeah, we're we're both still worst. I'm still learning about this stuff myself. But it was just a lot of political gamble mm. that was going on. That's just the way I can put it. There was a lot of political gamble, but MK was still not having any of this at this point. And you know, he was expressing um his discontent with the whole thing. But funny enough. Ernest Shinnecom was only in interim leadership for three months. So he had barely just even gotten comfortable with the suits <laughs> and whatnot. And then he resigned very suddenly, apparently. He resigned. And the question till today is what motivated what motivated oh, his resignation? Always these mysterious deaths, mysterious resignations with with around this time yeah and i mean we all well we can all be almost certain that it's it's not (laughs) (laughs) 
it's not that mysterious actually no no i guess just you know i don't know maybe there's been articles written about this as to what exactly was the motivation for this but i can only assume that abacha had something to do with it because there was a coup abacha the bogeyman abacha just you know came back and there was a there was a military coup abacha hijacked power and he declared himself the head of state in November 1993. So think about it, the June 12th election, June, July, August, September, October, November, so just five months into this whole thing, mm. he came into power, he declared himself the military head of state, and yeah, after this self-appointment, he just like literally dissolved all the arms of state that were created during the transitioning period. He empowered the military administrators to replace civilian governors in the state. So people were losing their jobs and mm. like the military were just taking over. And that was what was happening. Um, so all of this was happening like simultaneously. So you're fighting for your democracy. A military government is coming into place and dissolving all mm. arms of government, taking over civilian governors operations in their states and there's just so much turmoil so much turmoil and literally very gradually that democracy was kind of like just slipping away yeah yeah what do you think how do you think mko should have responded to all of this like obviously he was trying for so long to retain and to try to get them to restate the result of that election mm. but then M- abachi came into power took over and all that stuff what do you what do you think should have been mko's um position i think his position should have been well to 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 respect the 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 vote and the will of the people so what you should have just continued fighting for it well, what else can... So, like, Abacha comes into government and says, I'm taking over another military coup and military regime, mm-hmm. and we're still kind of, like, fighting for power. Do you think he should have just, like, let it go and maybe, like, somewhere in the background be strategically plotting for the next time or how to unseat Abacha? I mean, it's 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 difficult to. I find it difficult to, to say. I mean, I think that you want to. It's it's difficult to move past. Um, I'm I'm just speaking from like mm-hmm. my own perspective. It's just it's difficult to move past the fact that the people have voted for me, mm-hmm. and that has not been respected mm-hmm. and acknowledged. So you want to continue. Uh, to put to that that should still be maintained yeah right um but at the same time there's also this turmoil going on with this new this 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 new leader that um needs to be addressed so i find it honestly (laughs) honestly i don't know yeah I don't know. And I guess there's no, there's no like, it's not a trick question. There's no clear, because you think, I guess it's just a, like an, a, an individual choice. Because mm-hmm. some people might say, well, 
retract to what's that word you go back to live to fight another day kind of thing mm. or do you just like keep fighting and keep banging your head against the wall until you kind of like get through and i guess a batch of mk decided to kind of just keep knocking mm. until the door was open kind of situation uh but that got him into trouble that got him into more trouble mm. uh, because Abacha wasn't having any of it. And despite the, you know, the political armed robbery that was happening, um, Abacha, uh, MKO kept fighting and, you know, he gave a speech on, um, he gave a speech in 1994 called Enough is Enough. Yes. And that really kind of showed his political will. And I guess to an extent, I question whether, you know, given the fact that he was bringing so much hope and there was this kind of like, he's going to be the beacon of light to to rescue the situation. And, and I, I'm not trying to put too much kind of whatever on him and thinking that it was going to be the solution for Nigeria's problem. But there was really a lot of hope that he was going, because he had, like in his manifesto, he was saying things like, we're going to get the best Nigerians to solve Nigeria's problem. Mm-hmm. We're going to, to get rid of the brain drain. And, yeah, pull on the know, diaspora. Pull people in, pull on the diaspora and just, you know, just kind of, you know, we're starting to do so like buy Nigeria to rescue Nigeria to save buy Nigeria. Nigerians for yeah, Nigerians. Nigeria and all this stuff. Like he really had that kind of energy. Energy and so it was just for me like, yeah, I can see why he kept pursuing that. And I guess it was also just to give the people hope as well, because I guess if he would if he retracted then it would have just been like there's nothing to fight for mm. and we're just gonna wait for another and they did wait for another five years of military regime before from nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety eight when a bachelor just mysteriously passed away. Um but yeah, that speech enough is enough. Uh he was saying that, you know, if power was handed over to him he was not trying to witch hunt or retaliate. His objective was just to enforce the will of the people, as mm-hmm. ex- as expre- um, expressed in the in the election. But yeah, what do you, what did the Bachelor do? So so MK MKO was fighting and was saying in this speech like enough is enough. If you give up power, I'm going to like I'm not trying to reach out. You're not going to go to jail or anything like that. I just want uh, you to show grace. He because his primary uh, thing was like you know he wanted he just wants peace yeah and democracy yeah right he's which is such a respectable thing mm-hmm. you know from this leader who's who's had an election mm-hmm. well he doesn't even believe it's stolen from him he mm-hmm. believes the election is stolen from the people, people yeah. right so his concern is we need to honor uh yeah what the people what, are, what the people have done. have done but this was this was an infantry like it was just like how dare you kind of situation and it became a treason um treasonable offense word, offense um, acts of treason an act of treason that is it yeah treasonable felony yeah and so the the hunt for MKO began basically after that speech that he gave where he kind of just tried to maybe I think it was seen as like he tried to self-appoint himself as president because I think he declared himself president or something well there was there were talks of of you know him doing that by yeah. going into like Nigerian waters, waters yeah. and um, being on 
a boat or a ship or something and and making that declaration i was like what and when i when i was researching that i was like i'm here for that energy yeah. <laughs> claim claim what the people <laughs> yeah like go ahead go and do that um but that he he decided not to yeah. not to do that but then i feel like what he did was even worse well not worse but it, it was no better because he basically just went for it full force and abacha was like i'm not gonna have any of this i'm not gonna have this sort of like rudeness mm. as it were in my regime and yeah the military were on the hunt for mklo and within 11 days they found him they arrested him they imprisoned him on treason, um, treason charges so that was a message to um, others who wanted to come against Abacha that Abacha was basically declaring that this is the type of regime um, we're going to have. You're not going to um, declare yourself the, the, the rightful winner of this election. You're not going to criti- criticise uh, my rule. You're not going to get away with that. I'm yeah. going to shut that down, you know, basically bury it. Yeah. Um, and it was literally a reign of terror. Like, there was terror across the country because it was cracking down on all these oppositions. He was subduing office union there, union here. They were all kind of, like, just dissipating. He took control of the press. So what was being reported was mm. very kind of controlled. He jailed hundreds of people. Like, many, many people were jailed at the time of Abacha's regime. He began a series of trial you know, against his opponents and stuff. And even, like, notable figures, like, Wanisha Inka was mm. in exile in Paris. A few people were in exile during the Bachelor's time. And, and yeah, and that was just, just you know, a tip of the iceberg of the kind of things that were happening. Um, and even as a child, I have to say that I just remember just fear being a very dominant mm. emotion amongst the adults and i remember my granddad used to like buy like he would would buy newspaper and would read it and he had such excellent commentary on what's happening and he would just say stuff and i didn't really understand the full extent of it but i would just remember like oh this person has received a letter bump and they've died like some one of them was like delegiwa and i just started to feel like what is everyone gonna start receiving like letter bombs in there Mm. you know you just don't understand like why is this person receiving a letter bomb and why is that happening? Why is this happening? So even as a child, I remember like a residual feeling of just fear and mm. feeling that fear amongst the adults and just this, you know, this kind of things going on. So it was a massive, massive um, uh, reign of terror. Uh, but yeah, Abacha was, um, MK Abiola was in prison now um, on treason charges and... I feel like we should, we should give a few minutes to his wife. Yeah. Kujarat Abiola. I mean, he had many wives. Uh, but Kujarat Abiola in particular, I felt like was a kindred spirit. <laughs> was a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was also an activist. And she was just like very socially conscious, a businesswoman. And you could basically say that she just picked up the button where MKO left it. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's so, and, and that's the thing of the, like, the women of, of these uh, great political leaders, you know, like they, they do um, such great work. And, it, you know, you think of other um, famous women mm-hmm. in African 
politics i mean you know the the most obvious one that comes to mind is winnie Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. mandela and her her can her continued fights while uh nelson was imprisoned yeah pretty much yeah probably similar kind of spirit kindred spirit she she took up the baton and she was just continuing the race for democracy in his absence but again she quickly kind of got the attention of the military and they weren't having none of it so she really exhibited like a quality of leadership she garnered support you know there were protests and And that that spirit has continued today as well like the activism of women Mm -hmm. today in in the way that we are impacted especially in the country nigeria the way girls and women are impacted women do a great deal um in ensuring that that our voices are heard that our struggles are heard um yeah you know anyway women are just amazing in (laughs) yeah yeah and i think it's you know we're trying to get their voices heard in this like in the in the retelling of the stories and mm. making sure that they're not just relegated to the background or they play very significant uh, roles in, in this stuff and I think another probably for the next episode we should really look into uh, Felakuti's mother Ransom Kuti um, but yeah so M Kujarata Biola was that kind of figure as well but anyway she quickly became a target for the military and before you knew it in 1996 in, in june 1996 she was targeted and um she was you know she was fired at and killed unfortunately and killed um while she was in her car she was being driven uh, her driver was hit she was hit in the forehead um by the time she got to the hospital she was pronounced dead Again, there were conspiracy about her special assistant and Surviving. Well, who survived, who was also in the car, and perhaps, you know, he might have been involved. But, yeah, just to know that his wife died in the cause of this fight for mm. democracy. Because some people might go, well, you know, maybe there's a bit of, like, self-gratification um, in all of this where, you know, you want power for yourself. But the extent to which you go to for that, for gaining that power, surely... There has to be something beyond yourself that is mm. motivating you, and that's also key, and that's what is is needed for, uh, for for yeah progression. Mm-hmm. Um, amongst political leaders, mm-hmm. or amongst even the the people. Yeah, you know, it's 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 harking onto an ideal that um transcends yeah. your own your own individual needs. Yeah. Um which obviously now is very very difficult especially because we are of a generation where you know nigeria is a very young country and yeah. the youth and the youth unfortunately have not known mm-hmm. they, they have not seen mm-hmm. you know for themselves mm-hmm. um anything that's like worth hearkening onto mm-hmm. um and we hope that you know raising the the story and awareness yeah of these figures is a little bit of encouragement and, and reminder that you know it the like even though things are quite dark they've been dark before yeah um and these people have come through mm-hmm. they've had that beacon of light we've had that mm-hmm. that spark mm-hmm. um and i'm totally aware that you know i'm very 
privileged to be in this part of the world and talking about that but mm-hmm. um yeah hope hope is a powerful thing most definitely it's really powerful once once people have hope and they believe that it you know change is possible mm-hmm. um i mean that's the very reason why abacha was going around doing what he was doing yeah it's because hope hope in a people um once once it catches like fire, yeah, fire spreads. It, it's very it's very difficult to yeah. to put out. Yeah, and I think I think it's I think that there's still sparks of that fire that is still going on till today because something we have to acknowledge that something happened around that time that kind of change it shifted. There was a shift around that time that is still lingering on to today and i think even despite the fact that he didn't win the election and he had a tragic end um so we're just just bringing you know wrapping up the 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 the, the story and the narrative of what happened because yeah for every there's always an ending for everything mm. we just think of all this like dictators and all these people that we in the world we've known of there's always an end to them, whether they come to a natural death or, you know, something mm. happens and they die. And that was what happened in 1998, because despite Abacha's kind of like promise of eventually handing back power back, it never really happened. It wasn't something that he actively worked towards that we know of, but then he died. He tragically died. And I think we talked about that in episode um, two of his death and even the conspiracies and things like that. So that was a tragic death that happened in June. Um, and obviously following his death there was now sort of like the clamour for okay let's let things go back and um, make people were making efforts to like um, Abdul Salami Abu Bakr um, succeeded Abacha as the military president of Nigeria commander in chief and then he started to establish like a multi-party election and then, and then he said well we're ready for civilian rule and all of that stuff um, and then alongside that is now trying to release people from prison mm-hmm. so all these like prisoners political prisoners so MKO Abiola was like okay he's gonna come out of prison and yeah he was due to be released from prison um, he was due to be released from prison in July um 1998 and then it's 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 very it's i mean i think about it and i'm thinking okay they say that he so okay so mko was meant to be released from prison mm-hmm. he was meeting with like representatives of the u.s government and nigerian officials on the mm-hmm. day that he died and i think the purpose of the meeting was like discuss the terms of his release and, yeah. you know, and all that stuff but everything like literally took a rapid turn of events because they said, oh, he had barely gotten into the room. Uh, you know, they serve you tea and all that stuff. Apparently, he hadn't even drank from the tea. Oh, but, I thought I thought he had drank. Yeah. From it. So the report from the I think the U.S. representative. So there's mixed reports, and that's why you never really know who to believe, and that's why yeah. there's this strong conspiracy that he was murdered because it doesn't make sense what he has a heart he has he had a enlarged heart and then what the right the time for him to die and for all of that to kind of like it's, it's way too convenient it was way too convenient it was way too coincidental as well um but you know he they said yeah the report was that he had actually sipped the cup of tea okay but then i actually heard another report that said that he hadn't actually sipped the cup of tea so the question of who do you believe 
Mm. But the general report is that he had sipped a cup of tea. So that's what I decide to go with. Um, well, I mean, it's not even necessarily um, at that moment in time. It could have, mm. he, he could have, there could have been a slow mm. poisoning. Yeah. Um, but they said the autopsy was done. And so this is the thing, because M.K. Abela was a Muslim as well, mm-hmm. same as Abacha. Obviously, there was no autopsy carried out for Abacha because, you know, according to the Muslim mm-hmm. right, you die, they obviously before the sunset or whatever, they bury you. But with MK, they, they really make sure that they carried out an autopsy because they were trying to, like, dispel any conspiracy about him being killed and all that stuff. But And they said they didn't find any trace of poison in the system. But, I mean, even people like Wale Shehinka were like, yeah, he was killed. Many critics of the government and stuff believe the man was killed, but they say he um he became very ill very quickly. He was wheezing. No, was I, don't, I don't. I don't buy and that. And then he collapsed, and then before they rushed him to the presidential clinic, he had died by noontime. Like yeah, I don't buy it. I don't. I don't buy it. I just. I just think it's way too coincidental and yeah. way too convenient. Because this man has been in prison for five years. No. Yeah, and it's it's now. And it's now on the day you're discussing terms of his release. I mean, it would make for a very interesting um movie. I know <laughs> oh, you're always, you're always waiting for the. the I'm always <laughs> waiting for the movie. I just yeah, I really like to get into you know if anyone if there's any producer out there who is interested in collaborating with us. <laughs> um, yes, we are very much ready for this. Um. But yeah, so that was, you can imagine the shocking news because it was literally like a month after Abacha dying and yeah, it was, it was you know, it was shocking both like internationally and, and locally as well and uh, it, it really attracted a lot of like public interest. Um, a lot of people were shocked, people were sad um, and yeah, it was just that they were so close to experiencing true democracy mm. Um and a lot of the question was who killed him or what killed him, um, but mostly who killed him. Um, yeah. So the autopsy said he died of natural causes, but Nigerians have maintained the suspicions about the questionable circumstances. Does, does, does anybody ever die of, of, of natural, of natural co- causes yeah. when you're, you're in those circles? Yeah. And the question is, if MKO, assuming he had been poisoned and, and killed, it, the question was, who was going to benefit from his death? Um, my kind of, you know, the fact that he refused to relinquish power, and the question is, if he had come out of prison after all these years, yeah, would he have then, like, wanted to continue? Because he had given so much for that cause. Yeah. So I don't imagine, because they were trying to discuss the terms of his release, what, what to say, what, come out of prison and just go back to your village no, somewhere. He's going to come back, back out and he's going to want with to... Even, with even more, more vim. Bigger, do you know what I yeah. mean? So, he, yeah, it, there was just too much at stake. And I guess, given Abach's death, people, some people wanted a clean slate or some, some form of clean slate to begin with. And that's kind of like, the conspiracy and it's a very plausible one in my opinion and yeah so that was how um abacha died i mean abacha died and mko died um and but following that obasanjo was then made president and yeah. this was meant to be like acknowledged as some sort of like um console um consolatory 
um, what do you call it? Symbol, like, you know, this Yoruba man that was mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's a, I don't want to say token, but. Yeah. That's maybe, the word. Token, maybe it is the word, you know, tokenistic yeah. Um, concession. Yeah. That, you know, you've not, you've not been, um, MKO has not um, been able to to embody or take on the position that so many people wanted him to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, they gave it to Obasanjo and there's this whole like tribe thing coming into play again because, you know, Yoruba man, Obasanjo, yeah. Yoruba man, MK, they were yeah. both from the same state. There was meant to be some known connection between them and all that stuff. So, yeah, that was meant to appease the people, the Yoruba people. Um, and I guess, you know, would I say he served the purpose because Obasanjo was president for eight years and since then we've had a successive um, civilian what democratic rule and there's been relative stability mm. <laughs> questionable question yeah mark. quite questionable I mean I, I definitely think there are the reality is that the impact is that there we we have do have civilian um Oh. Yeah, civilian rule, mm-hmm. and so in all the things that are like tragic with Nigeria, that is a good thing. Yeah. Um. So, I think we just we just need to recognize, we should be able to recognize the good. Yeah. <laughs> in things, and so that that is good that. Yeah. Um. That happened. I suppose what we need to work towards is is moving beyond the chokehold of of tribalism. Mm-hmm. Um, having such a strong influence um over over nigerian politics yeah yeah and ultimately for such a significant moment in nigeria i i think it's it's a it's a it's ridiculous that it took so long for it to be acknowledged as a national yeah a A national national holiday yeah you know june 12th as a democracy day and yeah you know and by of of all presidents uh, President Buhari, yeah. you know, um, I think that there's there's a quote um, from Buhari when um, Democracy Day was um, instituted. He said that we cannot rewind the past, but we can at least assuage our feelings, recognize that a wrong has been committed, and resolve to stand firm now and ease the future for the sanctity of free elections. Nigerians will no longer tolerate such perversion of justice. This retrospective and posthumous recognition is only a symbolic token of redress and recompense for the grievous injury done to the peace and unity of our country. And that is significant. That is such a significant acknowledgement because, yeah, 20-something years after all of this happened... That was when the public apology happened, mm. um, and MK was conferred with the title the Grand Commander of the Federal Republic. So that is the GCFR award, and I believe it's an award that is reserved only for former presidents. Mm. So that in which is really powerful. It's, it's powerful, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really powerful, and I think that apology. It was late, but better lit than never Mm. um you know and i think yeah again like we were saying and this is part of what we're trying to achieve with this podcast of just trying to bring our history to the 
to, to light and give it its rightful place, its rightful position and acknowledge these people and just create more avenue for people to engage because these things have an impact. They've had an impact. They continue to have an impact on how our democracy has been formed. And yeah, we must never take it for granted. No. People died for this democracy. Not just MK or Abiola, many other people yeah. whose names you will never hear, whose names have kind of like, you know, been drowned by the other bigger names. But these people, people, significant people, ordinary civilians died for this democracy. And yeah. I hope we will never have to experience a military win again. I mean, our democracy is so young, but hopefully and fragile. and fragile. But yes, on that note. On that note, you've heard us speak about MK Abiola, his impact and legacy on uh, Nigerian politics and ushering and being a really basically a fire starter mm-hmm. and sparking the ushering in of democracy yeah. um, into Nigeria. So we honour <laughs> him. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And so, yeah, please do um, listen, share with your families and friends. Do follow us on our social media platform, mostly Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook as well. Yes. You can listen to the pod on Spotify, Google Pod, and anywhere you get your podcast, really. And yeah, um, engage with us as well. We want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about? Um, what questions do you have? What contributions do you have? Speak to us. We want to hear from you. Yes. So um, you can find our contact information in the show notes. Um, find us on Instagram at Once Upon a Niger. Um, and We'll be you'll be listening to us on the next episode. Yeah. So. Until then. Peace. Peace. <laughs>